the box. It's a story filled with plot twists, surprises, and unexpected moments all along the way. After all, who would expect angels to peer to a ragtag team of shepherds herding their sheep through the fields one night? And who would ever imagine that a baby born in a feeding trough to a young mother would become the savior of the world? This year, instead of going about the Advent season, season with a business as usual, each week we will consider how we might celebrate the coming birth of Jesus in newly imagined ways. How can we take Advent and Christmas outside the box? This third week of Advent, we reflect on Mary's song. Eugene Peterson translates it in the following way. I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before him. He bared his arms and showed his strength. He knocked tyrants off their horses pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. He embraced his chosen child, Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. Mary can't help but sing about what God has done in the upcoming birth of her baby, and she shares her hopes for God's peace and justice in the world. How might you and I help to carry our Mary's dreams for the world her baby boy came to save? How might our Advent season be characterized by working for and living toward God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven? God of peace, help us to be people who live out Mary's dreams for your world. Show us the ways you are already at work around us and how we might join with you in bringing good news to all people. May we seek to be people who act justly, who love mercy, and walk humbly with you. Oh, come, Lord Jesus, our hope is in you. Amen. Oh, Lord. 
make us whole, be comfort to our hearts. For you, O Lord, my soul in stillness waits. reading from the prophet Micah. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? God has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. In those days, Mary set out and went with the haste to a Judean town in the hill country, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that to the mother of the Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown me strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel and remem in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to the descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God.
Now, gracious God, may the words in my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this room be found pleasing in your sight. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Do you hear the people sing, singing a song of angry men? It is the music of a people who will not be slaves again. When the beating of your heart echoes the beating of the drums, there is a life about to start when tomorrow comes. These are some of the most well-known lines from the hit Broadway musical, Les Miserables, which is based on the true story of a rebellion that happened in Paris in the early 1800s. Awful living and working conditions, low wages, and the spread of a deadly cholera epidemic were leading to a really big crisis in Paris. And the people were ready for change. And so, in the early hours of June 5th, 1832, a group of students and workers gathered in the streets of Paris to protest, their numbers increasing by tens of thousands. And in the Broadway musical version of this moment, they begin to sing. You'll notice that the characters begin singing quietly, looking timidly at one another and wondering what is about to happen. 
But then they gain some confidence and courage as more and more people join in. Soon they rush into the streets, waving flags, climbing onto buildings and cars in bold acts of defiance against the life they currently live and with great hopes about the life that's about to start when tomorrow comes. Now, I did some research this week, and I can't find anything that says it's historically accurate that people actually sang in the streets in the June Rebellion of 1832. But I did find plenty of other instances throughout history when singing has been considered an act of resistance. After all, slaves certainly did this through spirituals they sang in both praise and in protest. And then civil rights leaders carried on that legacy in the songs they sang at prayer vigils, marches, and protests. But one of the best stories I came across this week was about the protesters in Leipzig in 1989. For several months preceding the fall of the Berlin Wall, the citizens of Leipzig would gather on Monday evenings by candlelight around St. Nikolai Church, and they would sing. Over the course of two months, they grew from a small group of a couple dozen people to 1,000 to more than 300,000. And finally, over half of the citizens of the city were gathering together once a week, singing songs of hope and justice, until the Berlin Wall finally came down just a few weeks later. Years later, when someone asked one of the officers of the East German secret police why they did not stop this protest like they had so many others, the officer replied, we had no contingency plan for the song. We had no contingency plan for the song. I don't think the Roman Empire had a contingency plan for Mary's song. We've heard two different translations of her song this morning, and while we may not know the notes that she sang, what we do know is that Mary's song helped to usher in a revolution that would change the world. Now, some of you all remember Carrie Tingle, now Carrie Kulak. She's a good friend of mine from seminary and a significant part of our Calvary family for several years before she and her husband Josh moved to England a couple years ago. And they had their first baby earlier this year. And Carrie recently said, you know, being a parent has changed me so much. The greatest change being that I now sing 95% of the sentences I speak on any given day. <laughs> and I immediately thought of Carrie's words when I sat down this week to reflect on Mary's song in the Gospel of Luke. Mary has just found out this news that she will give birth to the Savior of the world, and what does she do? She sings. Maybe, like Carrie, she can't help but to sing about her new baby. But if we think that Mary is singing a soft lullaby with sweet words, we are not listening very closely. Mary sings about a God who brings down the powerful, 
who lifts up those who have always been on the bottom of society and who fills the hungry with good things. She sings of a God who turns upside down the rules and norms of society, a God who acts in completely unexpected ways through the most unlikely people to bring truly good news to the world. As theologian Elizabeth Johnson writes, the Magnificat is a revolutionary song of salvation whose political, economic, and social dimensions cannot be blunted. People in need in every society hear blessing in these words. The battered woman, the single parent without resources, those without food on the table or without even a table, the homeless family, the young abandoned to their own devices, the old who have been discarded, all are encompassed in the hope that Mary proclaims. When Calvary went on a mission trip to China a few summers ago, people would often stop us in the midst of our taxi or subway ride and ask us what we were doing in China. Now, they were never surprised when we said that we were there to teach English. One look at our group, and that was pretty obvious. But everyone we talked to, without exception, automatically assumed that we were there to teach English in the most elite schools in China to children who were the best and brightest in their class. And so when we responded that we were actually there to teach English to children whose families were migrants, coming over from Western China looking for work and a better life, we received blank stares. One, because people didn't even know that migrant schools existed or that migrant children existed for that matter. And two, because we were coming to work not with the students who were at the top of society, but rather with those who were considered to be at the very bottom. And every time we had that conversation, which was quite often, I thought about how God might be planting gospel seeds, completely turning upside down what society expected and showing love and care to people deemed by society as completely undeserving and unworthy. That's what Mary's song is about. But if I'm being honest, the truth is I can't begin to understand the significance of Mary's words. I don't know what it's like to be hungry. I don't. I know what it's like to work through lunch, (laughs) but I have always been well-fed and even overfed, especially at this time of year. Which is why, for many, Mary's song is a challenging word to hear because it pushes up against our own places of privilege. In fact, these words have been so challenging for some that they have actually been banned at different times and places around the world. For instance, it was illegal to read or to sing the Magnificat in India under British rule. In the 1980s, it was banned in Guatemala. In addition, after a group of Argentine mothers whose children had all disappeared because of state terrorism and military dictatorship, 
after these mothers placed the words of the Magnificat on posters throughout the Capitol Plaza, the military of Argentina outlawed any public display of Mary's song. These are challenging words. And the reality is that Mary's words, the words of a 13 or 14-year-old pregnant, unwed mother who was likely of pretty low means herself, push up against all places of privilege in this world, and they push up against any and all places of privilege in you and in me. As Beth Moore said just this week, when the gospel has become bad news to the poor, to the oppressed, to the brokenhearted and imprisoned, and good news to the proud and self-righteous and privileged instead, it is no longer the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the question I want us to ask ourselves is this. What does Mary's song mean for us? And how will you and I live into Mary's dream for the world her baby boy came to save? Perhaps it begins with asking ourselves, where do we see Mary's dream already coming alive around us? Where do we see those who are on the margins being lifted up and the hungry being filled with good things? And how can we join in on what God is already doing around us? I've seen Mary's dream come alive lately through the beautiful ministry that's happening at The Cove, where Abby Tankersley and several of our small groups have served dinner to students living in homelessness here in Waco this fall. I've seen Mary's dream come alive through our youth group, collecting fleece blankets and toiletry items for the cove. But the reality is that there are almost 300 6th through 12th grade students living in homelessness in our Waco ISD schools. The question is, how will we respond? I've seen Mary's dream come alive week after week with our friends at West Avenue, where students who began the semester anxious and timid about their reading skills have become more confident as they've grown in their abilities. I saw Mary's dream come alive as the Baylor Men's Choir performed a Christmas concert at West Avenue last week. And Principal Weeks told us that one of the little boys who gets off the bus angry each and every morning lit up during that concert in a way he had never seen before. But the reality is that the needs at West Avenue are great. More mentors are needed in Waco ISD. More support is needed for the 92% of children whose families qualify for free and reduced lunch. Many of these children know what it means to be hungry. And the question is, how will we respond? I've seen Mary's dream come alive through Faith Health Waco as Dave and Elaine Norris are leading us to visit our neighbors recently out of the hospital who are needing encouragement and prayer and support. I see Mary's dream come alive week after week through the Samaritans Fund here at Calvary. For just this week, we were able to help two different single moms pay their rent so that their families wouldn't be evicted at Christmas. 
but many more volunteers are needed for Faith Health Waco, and the needs we are being presented with in the Samaritan's Fund are great. The question is, how will we respond? How will we join in with what God is already doing here at Calvary, down the street at West Avenue, around the corner at the Cove, around our community, and around our world? How will we give our time, our talents, our money, and our very lives to continue to carry out Mary's dream this Advent season? As the prophet Micah reminds us, one of the best gifts we can bring to God doesn't come in a box because God has already shown us what is good, and that is to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God day by day by day. And if you find yourself wondering where to begin in the midst of this work, perhaps like Mary, like the protesters in Leipzig, and like the people in the streets in Les Mis, perhaps we begin with singing. I actually came across an article this week written by our very own David Tate that drew me to these parallels between Mary's song and the song in Les Mis. David writes this, while the messages of these songs may be different, they are both songs that stir my heart and speak of society turning upside down. Mary sings out an anthem that calls for change and participation in God's work, no less than the scene in Les Mis prompts oppressed people to work up the courage to take action. And so may we too work up the courage to take action this Advent season in whatever ways God might be leading us so that Mary's dream for her baby boy may finally come true for the world he came to save. Do you hear the people sing lost in the valley of the night? It is the music of a people who are climbing to the light. For the wretched of the earth, there is a flame that never dies. Even the darkest night will end and the sun will rise. And so, God, I ask that our singing would prompt us to action. Show us the ways in which Mary's dream is already coming alive right here in our church, right here in our community and around our world. And convict us for the ways that we need to jump in and get our hands dirty. God, we so want to follow in the ways of Jesus. We so want to follow the dream that Mary had for him. And so may it be so with each of us, not only this Advent season, but all year long. Amen. Well, this is the season in the church where we remember how God's light broke into the darkness of our world through Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. And if you would like to talk with someone about what it means to follow Jesus, we would love to visit with you about that today. 
Or maybe you want to become part of our faith community here at Calvary, where in times of darkness and light and everything in between, we seek to follow Christ together in the best ways we know how. We would love to welcome you into our church family today. And so however God leads you to respond, our ministers will be in the back of the sanctuary to visit with you and pray with you as we continue in worship.
God's banquet is coming, the time we await when all will gather from north, east, west, and south. A banquet where the rich and powerful will sit with the weak and poverty-stricken. A table where young and old will learn from each other. A time when all will sit together in peace, and the wolf will lie down with the lamb. Here at this table, we get a foretaste of God's banquet. This is indeed God's table, not the church's. So all who seek to follow the way are welcome to eat and drink from it. Come and taste the grace eternal. Come and see that God is good. God is with us. We are not alone. Christ is present here. The Spirit moves within us. Let us give thanks to God. In memory and in hope. Blessings be to you, Creator God, who in the beginning threw light and life to the world and who continues to bring it love and light everlasting. Your song of wisdom echoes through the ages. Your ancient promise still brings us hope. Over the ages, you have called people to embrace your hope and share your love. But even when they closed their ears to the song, you did not stop singing. You sent prophets and messengers to your people, reminding them of the promised time of peace and justice that would surround the world. They came in the midst of our despair and filled us with hope. And then you came to a young woman named Mary and laid out the promise to her in a new way. Promising her a son who would be called Jesus, promising her that in her son, the world would be changed. And now let us prepare for that child to be born. We echo the ancient cry. O come, O come, Emmanuel. God, you poured your spirit on Mary, and she sang words of defiance and hope. Pour out your spirit upon us gathered here. As we eat and drink, may we know your presence. As we eat and drink, may we be open to the possibilities of your hope and power. And may we be strengthened in our time of waiting for peace and justice so that we will have the courage to make the Christmas promise a reality. Friends, you don't need to be a member of Calvary to participate in this meal. If you profess your faith in Christ, you're welcome here. There are several different stations around the room. There's a gluten-free station in the back, and no one will be rushing you to the table, so take your time and come as you will. We'll be dipping the bread into the cup today. Children who haven't yet made a profession of your faith, you're invited to this platform to receive a blessing. If you would like to receive communion at your seat, please raise your hand and a deacon will serve you. So today we come to this table again to know Christ in this meal. And to remember that on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he had broken it, he said, This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death 
until he returns. The bread we break is the bread of life. The cup we share is the cup of promise. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Come and eat. The banquet awaits. I could have come like a mighty storm With all the strength of a hurricane You could have come like a forest fire With the power of heaven in your But you came like a winter snow Quiet, soft, and slow Falling from the sky in the night To the earth below Could have swept in like a tidal wave Or like an ocean to ravage our heart You could have come through like a roaring flood To wipe away the things we've scarred
It is my great joy to introduce you to a few friends who I hope you already know. This is Isaac and Lily Hernandez and their mom, Erica. And Isaac and Lily have both come forward and said that they are ready to follow Christ and that they want to be baptized and become part of our Calvary family. And we are so excited about that and celebrate that with you and look forward to continuing to talk about what that means and what that looks like. Isaac is in second grade and Lily is in first grade and they're both at Spring Valley Elementary School, right? And when I asked them, what, what do you love? What's something special about you you want to share with the Calvary family? Isaac lit up and said that he loves karate and that he has an orange belt and is working toward his black belt, which I thought was pretty cool. And Lily loves gymnastics. Um, and then another neat thing that, that Erica shared with me is that she was baptized here in our same baptistry when she was around Isaac and Lily's age uh, by our pastor Ken Massey. And so it's pretty special that, that we can now baptize Isaac and Lily and that this legacy that was planted within you many years ago um, continues to, to have new life within you all. And so your Calvary family has some words, some really special words that we would like to share with you all today. In response to your decision, we pledge ourselves to be the family of God for you in this place. We offer you our love, our care, our kinship, and our hopes. We hope to learn from you, give to you, and receive from you by God's grace. I also wanted to point out that Claudette Hensley is here in the back. And Claudette is Isaac and Lily's grandmother, and I know she's so excited for them as well. Claudette, we are so glad that you're back at Calvary after several months of, of bad health. And also glad that Pat Sitton is back with us today after being in rehab and recovering from her broken hip. So lots of great faces in this space today. I'm going to invite you all to have a seat and then... Ken Surrey is going to walk out with you, and I know that you all want to greet them as you leave, uh, but you're welcome to just have a seat while we finish. Um, a few things to mention as we are um, moving forward today. Um, first is that for the next two Sundays, we won't have Sunday school or extended session. We know that many of you will be out of town, and we're also hoping to give a bit of a break to some of our faithful Sunday school, Sunday school teachers. Um, and so remember that for your schedules. Also, just want to draw your attention to the announcements in the worship folder about year-end giving at Calvary. Uh, we have had a wonderful year, but we also need to make one final push to make it to the finish line. And so you'll see in that announcement what is needed to meet our budget goal for 2018. And we ask that you might consider how God is leading you to give faithfully in this place. And know that we are so grateful for the many ways that the Calvary family gives so generously all throughout the year. 
And last, I wanted to invite everyone to my house this afternoon as a way to say Merry Christmas to the Calvary family. Um, all are welcome, including children. I've got some activities for you all as well. That will be from 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock today. Feel free to stop by. My address is in the announcements, and there are also directions in the Welcome Center as you leave today. And so I hope you'll come by and celebrate Christmas with your Calvary family. Well, today is a special day, and it's also a hard day because uh, we have two staff members for whom this is their last day on staff with us, um, Guillermo Almeida and Lauren Everick. If y'all would make your way, oh, yep, if you would make your way forward for just a moment. Um, I'll start sharing a few things about Lauren. Lauren began volunteering in children's Sunday school when she was a student at Truett, and then she became a summer children's ministry intern then began as our preschool coordinator, and then most recently as our interim children's minister. So she has worn many hats in this place. Uh, we had the privilege of ordaining Lauren to ministry yesterday and affirming her work with us uh, before she moves to Virginia later this week, uh, where she will be doing chaplaincy in a local hospital. Lauren, know that you will be dearly missed in this place. And we just want to thank you for your hard work for your thoughtfulness and everything that you do, for your care for our children and our families, and for the many beautiful ways that you have invested yourself in what God is doing in this place. Thank you so much, Lauren. Now I would like to take a moment to recognize uh, Guillermo Almeida. Um, you all know Guillermo well. Guillermo has been at Calvary for quite some time now. Guillermo is known for having a caring and pastoral spirit, and there's probably none of us here that Guillermo hasn't reached out to in some gentle and tender ways. Also, we appreciate the uh, sense of humor that Guillermo always brings to things, uh, even as you have experienced on this day. Um, Guillermo is a, lot, is a person who has some wonderful insights theologically, and he has offered those particularly to us in worship planning, and we will find a gap there as we move forward without Guillermo. I would also just like to mention that Guillermo's musical skills, obvious that he has immense musical skills. I would put Guillermo in one of the absolute top most musical people I've ever met. The guy just has music and music and more music and can do all things musical and so instinctively and with such uh, appearance of ease. And I admire that and appreciate that so much about him. Guillermo has left his mark on our lives personally and also on the music and worship ministry here at Calvary. And for that, we are immensely grateful. But we are very uh, most grateful that Guillermo and Carla are going to continue to be a part of our congregation here and continue their involvement, although not in this leadership capacity. So thank you so much. Thanks. We hope, we hope that you will also greet Guillermo and Lauren, and if you all will make your way out after the Alleluia Chorus. We have a cake reception in, in Calvary tradition, and so we hope that you'll enjoy. We're really being overfed today, and so we hope you'll enjoy lots of sugar today um, and celebrate and thank Guillermo and Lauren. <laughs> 